0: Thank you for downloading Tube Flash Tales, original flash fiction inspired by London Underground and vintage and contemporary brooches. If you want to find out more, visit the Tube Flash website, but not before you've listened to this set of Tube Flash Tales. Tube Strike Notting Hill Gates.
1: THE GENTLE SOUL-TAKER by Sherry Fuller He moves in the silence beyond the colour and cacophony of the carnival. The floats are finished, the din diminished, the revellers retired, but the blood, the blood remains. Now is his domain, his time, his space, every year the same. To this gathering of exultant humanity the servant of happiness is called, called to bring the darkness. He weaves his art. Tenderly, young folks, hungry folks, nameless, faceless parts of a throng, thrilling at the sudden touch of a sharp shard of glass in their palm, rendered opportunistic by the gift, empowered with an improvised weapon and soft whispers. Take what you want, take what you need. You have the power, you deserve it, and it is yours, and you are mine. You will always be mine, and I will love you. He needs but a scattering of souls for sustenance. He is not greedy. He only takes what he requires to survive, only a few, softly broken, gently nudged into the dark, just a little blood, just a little pain, over quickly. Hidden amongst so much joy it matters little. The humans expect it. They understand that happiness has her price, and she sends him year after year to balance her daughter euphoria. He steps quietly through the shadowy streets. The ravens sated. The wandering, fallen souls collected more to love, to cherish, for eternity. He will rest now, for another year.
0: Arnos Grove.
2: Sleepwalkers by Lisa Matthews Lenny, you're a deaf circle. Lenny, you're a square. Lenny, do you know how the pavement shifts when you walk along it towards me? Lenny, don't you see that the way ahead, if not impossible, impassable is more than a little obstructed with soup cartons, green-handled knives from monoprix, High street playmats and soft toys from Ikea. he tell me again about the time you got into the back seat of the wrong car outside the station. How your mother discovered you more than once on the newsagent's front step in your dressing gown and Spider-Man slippers. <laughs> and, and how you found your way home, torch in hand from the leaning gravestones of the Jewish cemetery. Lenny, don't take this the wrong way. You know I don't want anyone else but you. Lenny, you can call me any time. I want you to. Lenny, I I need to watch your feet skitter across the sheet as you dream. I want to write down the place names you mutter somewhere below breath, below sleep. Lenny, I'm going to try hard to understand all the voices you carry beneath your ash-coated ribs. Lenny, I see the sun is a ball and that we are all just lines across the face of it. We swerve, then burn if we get too close. We watch the dark spots and flares, and think we know where they start and how they end. Lenny, we're only shapes in the shapeless scheme of things, and this geometry we nurture is more than enough for me. Lenny, I do hope you believe me. It's what I wanted to say last week when you jumped into the lake. Lenny, come up and we'll talk this through. You're my circle and my square. And Lenny, I'm not going anywhere.
0: Swiss Cottage
2: Green Stalks by Marion Moffat Trouble with me is, when I start, I can't stop. So I saw this boy. He must have been mm, 17. Anyway, his tie caught my eye. He's 17 and wearing a tie. Perhaps he's got an interview. But a tie covered with bright blue flowers. So I follow him down the escalator onto the platform. He walks to the middle, just opposite the giant billboard of Guardians of the Galaxy, and stands with his toes, just touching the yellow line. I take my iPhone out of my pocket, start searching for a new track, thumb on the screen. Eyes on the boy. I walk past him, brushing his coat with my elbow, and continue walking for ten, eleven steps. I stop and shuffle my feet, turn to face the wall. He is at the edge of my vision. Trouble is, when I start, I can't stop. I choose a tune, every breath you take, but change my mind. I pick an episode of Dexter, after all this may be a long journey. I can feel him looking. My eyes are on my screen, and if I hold it at the right angle, I can just see his reflection. But I can't see the flowers, the cobalt blue flowers on the tie, around his neck. Trouble with me. Once I start, the air pressure changes, my hair whips around my throat, the train approaches. My mouth is dry, my heartbeat quickens, I have one moment to decide. Once I start, Stopping is... Impossible. The doors open. He steps on the train. He sits down. The little blue flowers have golden stamen and green stalks. My trouble is... Stopping. Stepping onto the train, I catch his eye. Smiling. I sit opposite him. Trouble is... Can he stop me?
0: Harrow on the Hill
3: THE ARDUOUS HILL by Mark Allum The oily smell in the engineering workshops of the school was distinctive. It infiltrated my young nostrils, neither hateful nor pleasant, but indicative of the work that went on there. Laves worn from use were neatly lined up, and decorated with spirals of sparkling swarf. A plantation of post-apocalyptic Christmas trees. My grandfather proudly explained how he had tutored several Crown Princes. I was captivated. The idea of writing an article on my childhood recollections of Harrow had grown from a need, the nagging desire to find some final closure. Forty years earlier my father's rusty Ford Popular had struggled with the hill. The visits to my grandparents had always been blighted by arguments. I didn't understand why. As I knocked on the front door, I remembered the boat at Harrow schoolboys, brash and sneering as they flicked matches at me outside the sweet shop. I recollected the dank odour of the neglected interiors, the shabby floral papers, the greasy kitchen ceiling and the outside toilet with its gloss-yellow, high-level cistern and green walls. Most of all, I remembered my grandfather's workshop attached to the back of the house, the rusty old biscuit tins full of nuts, bolts and curious objects. Once I toyed with some strange steel projectiles My grandfather's macabre explanation of their use as anti-personnel darts emptied over the trenches from rickety World War I biplanes fascinated me. I don't know what I'd expected. The house was clean and comfortable. Not at all like I remembered it. There were no ghosts here. Just the ones inside my head. The Ford Popular made its way down the hill. No one spoke a word. I never saw my grandparents again.
0: Cockfosters
3: The Cockatrice by Megan Hurdson I have wings and a beaky face and perch on the roof of the station to watch the trains come in. I'm a little like an insect. I suck nectar out of the faces of all the pretty flowers that give me life. I crack up when I see my venom go in. I know it hurts, but I must eat too, for I am like all other living things, except I do not get to live. When I saw you, I should have known you were no good for me. I could see the red. It could have been wine. It could have been blood. You were already gone, stagnant and old. You didn't need me, and I couldn't use you. I settled on your head and looked at your eyes. Normally, when eyes see me, they show fear. They show horror, and then they roll back. My job is done. But when I looked into your eyes, your light was already gone, and I only saw myself. Two curled wings behind me, barely there, delicate, like a child's breath. I saw my beaky face, a long spine for a nose and a mouth in one, my needle full of poison. "'I wish I had never seen myself, for I was a monster, not a bird, and not an insect. "'I wasn't even like you, with your glassy, dead, pig eyes.' "'The sun was rising, and the first train was approaching on the tracks. "'I went to turn my head away from your cold stare. "'I felt fear, and then I felt horror.' I realised my own reflection had cruelly tricked me.
0: Holland Park
1: Luck Lost and Found by Andrea Taroni He came home on a clear day, early and unexpected, his leave coinciding with the start of spring. He'd taken the first train to London, slept sitting in the corridor, his back up against a compartment. Outside the squat red station at Holland Park, he thought he wouldn't recognise anything, not even where he lived. Then, as he walked down past the few shops, he remembered it all and saw the change. The rough boarding over the shop windows a gap between buildings like a lost tooth, pink-flowered wallpaper flapping away from what was left of the wall in Mrs. Todd's front room, children playing in the rubble. In their front garden, crocuses sang in the sun, purple, yellow, and white. She gasped and grabbed him in the doorway, pulling him inside. She fussed, pale and tired, trying to hide her chapped-worn hands. She lit the fire, burning old news and exhortations to keep mum. His greatcoat hung lumpen by the door. His pockets were like honeycomb, she said, full of treasures and treats. He delved inside. I have coffee, and sugar, no tea, a whole bar of chocolate. He set them on the table. Then he brought out two small brooches, a boy and a girl, carrying pails of water like Jack and Jill. Be careful, be careful, They're fur clips, sharp, pointed to go through the pelt. One of the Americans gave them to me. I thought of you, he said. How could he tell her? He'd panicked before the last raid. During the briefing, sweating, face-drained, colourless, he'd clenched his fist to hide the tremor. Take these, the American said. My mom gave them to me, for luck. He refused them. In the air, he found them. In his pocket. The American didn't come back.
0: You've been listening to a Tube Flash production, Tube Strike, read by Tom Blythe, Claire Vowsden, and Keith Morris. If you enjoyed this download, why not visit the Tube Flash website, www.tubeflash.co.uk where you'll find more underground tales to download and keep forever entirely free by following the iTunes link.